Welcome to I'm Game with Brett Croner. Today I am joined by Anna Swig, who uh, grew up, spent a lot of years in Muhammad, uh, and then after college came back and uh, worked in the area for a while, including that time at J.T. Walker's. And um, now she is one of the owners and farmer, farmer at Big Corn Farm and Brewery over in rural Georgetown. So Anna, uh, welcome. Glad to have you today. Thank you. Thank you. It's good to be here. So first, I want to talk a lot about the, the brewery and everything, but before we go there, um, when you were in high school, what did you see for your future? What, what were you thinking that uh, you might be doing with life? Probably like my, most high schoolers, I didn't have any clue what I was going to do with my life, but uh, I knew that I, I thought I should go to school after, after high school. So I went to college because I thought that was, you know, the right thing to do. <laughs> and uh, it was a really good experience. In hindsight, I don't know 100% if it was necessary, but um, that's what I did. I thought I wanted to go to medical school. So I graduated with a degree in exercise science from Truman State University. And although I don't technically use my degree, I guess, in what I do now, I do think I learned um, how to write, I think was the, the biggest thing I learned at school. And I uh, use that in my everyday business life all the time. So I guess all in all, it kind of roundabout way to get to where I'm at right now. So your, your degree was in uh, exercise, uh, um, exercise science, right? Yes. Okay. Well, now, so I know that uh, even prior to, to going to college, though, you'd done some, some work in the food service industry. So kind of talk about getting involved with that and then what the appeal was that kind of, you know, kept you in, in that line of work. For sure. Yeah. I started when I was 15. I worked at a breakfast restaurant in Chesterfield, Missouri, where I went to high school and I was a host. I started, I think I started out making like 5.15 an hour or something, um, but I loved it. I just thought it was fast paced. It was fun. I liked the people. I'm, I was always kind of a shy kid. And so it gave me a way to force myself out of the shyness, I guess. And I, I, I never left the industry. I worked at that restaurant for 10 years all through college. And then I always worked at various restaurants and bars, you know, from age 15 to, I mean, to what I'm doing now is, is still in the industry, but I, I love it. I think it, it's, it's fun. It's uh, people spending their dollars in a way that makes them happy. And it's cool to be part of that. So I suspect after college, uh you came back to the Muhammad area, worked in different places, but I, I suspect JT Walker's was kind of a turning point uh, because first you met somebody special there, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, I met um, Aaron, Aaron Young, my partner Aaron, um, in life and in this business venture that we have. I met him at JT's in 2011, and at that time he was kind of the bar manager, like the upstairs bar manager, and I was serving tables, and we met there started hanging out and we've been together ever since and then when the brewery opened he he had been a home brewer for a number of years and uh, he was Justin's first brewer at the brewery. So kind of talk about then the steps from going from working at JT Walker's uh, to what you're doing now uh, in terms of, of owning a farm and, and uh, you've done some produce over the years and brewing and so kind of talk about getting from one step to the other there. That, that seems like a pretty quantum leap. Yeah, it, you know, it's, it's, well, it's been a crazy ride, but 
yeah, we started looking for property. Um, we hadn't, we didn't really have a clear, super clear vision in mind, but I knew I wanted to try to sell produce uh, to restaurants and to, uh, to breweries as well. So we bought our property in 2011 and um, it's in rural Georgetown. So we bought 15 acres and we bought it from Aaron's mom and dad actually. So we bought the South 15 acres of their property and we started out um, with me growing things and selling produce, berries, herbs, all kinds of things to uh, restaurants, mostly in the Champaign area and uh, some brewing ingredients as well. And we kind of had in mind that we might open our own brewery eventually someday, but we didn't really have a timeline necessarily. And then we found out we, our son was coming in 2015 and we thought, okay, this is it, let's do it right now. <laughs> so we, we just, we decided to go ahead and apply for all the financing, all the licensing, all the federal, the state, all the, all the things. And uh, the rest, I guess, is history. So you, you started out with uh, with 15 acres there. What all in the early years? What all were you growing? And, and talk a little bit about the commitment that takes, because I mean that you're you're basically doing that by hand. So I mean, even though 15 acres might not sound like a lot, when you're doing it the way you're, you're doing it, it, it can be overwhelming, can't it? Yeah, I mean, you know, nothing we were doing was was conventional. It was all small small produce, small vegetables, greens, things like that. So and we, and we, we've never farmed 15 acres. I mean, really we just had small plots and then we would sell produce to restaurants. So um, we, we decided that we wanted to hyper-focus on, on growing things for beer um, pretty quickly because that's where our interest lies, of course. So uh, we planted hops. Uh, that was the first thing that we planted. We had about a quarter acre hop yard. We planted tons of herbs we brew with a lot of different funky herbs uh old timey brewing herbs so we and we still that's mainly what we grow now are uh just tons of varieties of herbs so in addition to, to the farming even before you got into the brewing part uh you got to build your own house and everything i mean that's uh, uh just you know and, and then also uh, as i understand the buildings on the property as well so talk about that process that had to be uh, a little bit intimidating didn't it yeah, I mean, that, that's been probably the most fun part for us. Um, the first things that we built were not nearly as, as good or as cool as the things we've built <laughs> in more recent years, but uh, we started out, we built our house. Um, we, we've built our, our tree bar, which is our summer tap room. We've built our greenhouse bar. Um, you, you can see behind me here, um, which is our winter tap room. Um, and of course we built the brewery, we built our cellar where we ferment beer underground. And um, it's, we, that's one of the parts we enjoy the most about what we get to do is the, the planning, the building, the physically doing it. We're both, you know, amateur carpenters. So uh, that's been a super fun part of this whole venture for us. So take me through the process. You, you're at the point you're saying, okay, let, let's go forward with the brewery. And, and, you know, you fill out the paperwork and you, you do that. But what's it actually take though to, to get things going? It's a lot more than just saying we're going to do this. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, for the financing for one, um, you've got to have some money to start. And of course you never have enough. <laughs> so um, we secured the financing and uh, got our loans from the bank and, 
with uh, at that time the the federal licensing for breweries was taking quite a lot longer than it is now so it took us about 14 months to get our federal license which seemed like an absolute eternity when you're waiting day to day <laughs> for that licensing to come in so you wait for the federal licensing and then you have to have state licensing of course um, and that took a few more months and then we we only distributed beer for the first couple years we didn't have an on-site tap room so um, because we're only in Vermilion County those were all the licenses we needed at that time but when we wanted to open our tap rooms um, later on two years later our county didn't even have a license for breweries so they had to pass a new law in a new amendment into their liquor license clause for breweries because we're the first one in the county. So talk about the, the distribution part. I mean that uh, you, you were you were sending it pretty much throughout the entire state, right? We were, yeah, yeah. For the first two years, um, that's all we did. We sold beer out. We sold in in bottles uh, in retail stores, and we sold draft beer also. We sold mostly in central Illinois. Um, we did sell uh, all over Chicago for about a year and a half too. Um, we self-distributed all of our beer. So I physically delivered all of our beer for those for, for those uh, couple years that we did that. And um, when the county finally uh, got the licensing so that we could open here, then our focus just kind of just swapped, you know, and it became, the focus became here. People could come here, see where the beer was made and really feel a connection to where the beer was made and how it was made. And that's really the direction we wanted to go. So, so even from the beginning, when you were distributing the, the beer throughout the state, you were really kind of looking ahead. You wanted to have something for people to come to. So that when you were distributing the beer, that wasn't necessarily the, the end uh, result that you were, you were seeking at that time, was it? Not necessarily. We, we didn't know at that time. You know, we had just started. So we thought, you know, it because we're in such a rural location, we thought if we can get our name out there um, with our beer being in all these different places then when we do decide to open our tap room everybody will already know about us and it won't be such a hard sell to say hey drive all the way out to Georgetown to come see us because they would already have had our beer enjoyed it and said oh yeah I want to go out there. So was there a time before you really got into this that, that you thought majority or all of your income would come from the, the tap rooms or, or not? Um, yeah, I, we weren't sure, <laughs> you know, we thought we would probably distribute and uh, have the tap rooms both, but then COVID happened and, you know, it just threw everything, everything out the window. So we kind of had to reimagine the whole thing. <laughs> so, so talk about, before we go on, talk about the, the COVID year in there and it's probably still being kind of ongoing to some extent, but what things did you kind of have to change up and, and do different? Well, the, the, it was March, March 2020 when we had to just totally cease operations. So we, we took a lot of crazy turns, but um, we, we did a to-go business for those, that couple months before we could reopen. Luckily for us, our, our whole taproom business is outside, even in the wintertime. So we sell, our whole place we sell as an outdoor taproom experience. So for COVID, uh, we were probably better off than most because our whole place is outside. So people generally felt comfortable, you know, coming to our place because it's wide open, it's acreage, it's, you know, picnic tables on a field in the middle of nowhere. So 
I suppose we probably fared better than most, but uh, it was a really hard year all in all. I mean, just feeling like, are we doing the right thing? Are we making the right choices? Are we keeping people safe, but also needing to keep our business going? And there was a lot of weird decisions in there. <laughs> well, sure, because in the meantime, you still have bills to pay too. So it's not like you can exactly put your life on hold, was it? Exactly, yeah. And I, I think that was the, the hardest thing that for to explain to people is, hey, you know, we, we can't just close. <laughs> it, it, that's not really an option. So. I mean, we did, and they, and we did it twice last year. So, I guess you can just close because we did we did it, but it wasn't easy, and it, it's still not easy. Now, have you kept track? Where where all have people come from to to visit your little place there? Oh man, all over the place. I need a map. People tell me all the time I need a map. Um, I think the most fun one was a guy flew in. He had just gotten. Uh, he flew into Indianapolis from India. And he was staying with a friend um, Dan in Danville. And our place was the first place he wanted to come uh, when he got here because he'd heard about, about it from his friends, I suppose. Uh, but that was pretty cool from India. Um, but yeah, I mean, all over the place, beer travelers, all over, all over the Midwest for sure. You know, people travel a couple hours very frequently to get here, Indianapolis, Bloomington, Peoria. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's a, it's, we'd consider it a destination place for sure. So do you, keep, you have any kind of little like sign in booklet so you can go back over the years and say, oh yeah, we had these people come from, from here and here and here or, or not? I need to, yes, it's on the list. I need, I need to do that. <laughs> okay, so talk, talk about the experience. Somebody's decided they're going to come there, that they pull into the parking lot. Talk a little bit about, you know, what, what the options are, what, what they'll see, what they'll be able to do. Sure. Yeah. Um, so we have a super long driveway. So even when you get to where uh, our driveway begins, you still have about half a mile to come back until you get to our parking lot. So you really feel like you discovered our place. And that's how we wanted it to feel that, you know, holy cow, we made it. We're here. Oh, my gosh. What the heck is this place in the middle of nowhere? So uh, you park in our parking lot. Um, right now in the winter time, uh, our, our greenhouse bar is open. So that's uh, behind me here. So you'll park in the parking lot, come in the greenhouse and we have this beautiful bar, um, this beautiful cedar bar behind me there. And um, our bartenders, you know, serve you whatever beers you'd like. We've got 10 beers on tap. Uh, we have bottled beer also, but um, we let people sample whatever they want. Because um, we do have a lot of people, especially in our immediate area, who really have never had craft beer before because we're the only brewery around. So um, we're very approachable and we're never, there's no snobbery here. You know, everyone is, we, we just want to bring you along on this, this whole craft beer train thing. Um, so in the wintertime, that's the experience, the greenhouse bar. And if it's nice, of course, you can still walk around the farm, check things out. Uh, we've got a couple hogs. Um, just a couple hundred yards from the greenhouse. People like to go visit those guys. Um, in the summertime, our other, the summer tap room, we call the tree bar. And it's a bar right on the edge of our woods, totally in the woods. We built it from trees that we harvested from our woods. It's super cool. Uh, it overlooks a big maple forest. And um, in the summertime, we have picnic tables, you know, about 50 picnic tables outside for people to sit at, um, for families. Families are always welcome. 
Um, we have grills that people can use to cook food if they bring burgers or brats or hot dogs or whatever. Um, but we're very family friendly, dog friendly. Um, yeah, because it's a it's an outdoor experience, so it's good for everyone. What what are your your days and hours uh, for the winter tap room, and then uh, also back uh, in the summer when you're open then? Uh, the same all year round is Thursday through Sunday. Uh, Thursday, Friday, we're open three to nine. Saturday, noon to nine, and Sunday, noon to eight. All right. How did you come up with uh, what days you're going to be open? Was it just kind of trial and error, or did you decide that you needed some of those other days just to, to do some things that, uh, that you had to do yourself? Well, we started, we only had Saturday, Sunday hours when we first opened the tap rooms, and then it went really well, so we opened Fridays, and Fridays went really well, so we opened Thursdays, and I guess that that's about where we're at right now. We, we do live here also on the farm, so we do enjoy the few days with without customers at our at our home. Um, but the four days is working out really well. So talk a little bit about uh, the, the hours you put in. I mean, this is not a, an eight to five type job by, by any means. So, so talk a little bit about uh, about that and, and just, uh, you know, in some ways you're probably uh, relying on the on the weather in terms of when you can do things too, right? Certainly, yeah. I mean, that that's the biggest factor for us is weather with, with everything we do with, brewing with our tap rooms, with the farm, um, building, it's all weather dependent. So when we have beautiful days, of course, lots more people come out when it's beautiful. Um, the reason we built outdoor tap rooms is because we, we think all those days, all the days are pretty nice. And we never, Aaron and I never wanna be shut up inside, even if it is raining or snowing or sleeting or icing or whatever. So we built these outdoor spaces to encourage people to say, oh, well, I can, I can have fun regardless of the weather. It, you know, it's always cool at Big Thorn because you sit at the tree bar and it's raining and that's fun. Or you're in the greenhouse bar and it's snowing. And those are the most fun days that we have in the wintertime. So I did want to ask, you guys naturally carbonate the beer. Talk a little bit about that process and, and the length of time that, that is involved in that. Sure. Yeah. Um, it's the, it's a really cool process. Um, we think it's, it makes superior beer. Um, it's, it's the old farmhouse style way of brewing. It's how they made beer forever before forced carbonation and tanks of CO2. Um, but if you walk into our brewery, there's no tanks of CO2. There's no glycol or CO2. So it's, it's a little crazy when brewers come out and see our operation. Like, what, what are you guys doing out here? So uh, what we do when we package beer, uh, it lives at our cellar temperature its whole life. Uh, and then we move the beer to the bright tank, which is the packaging tank. At that time, we add a small amount of fermentable sugar because we still have live yeast in suspension in the beer. We haven't let all the yeast drop out. Um, it hasn't, the beer has not been cold crashed or anything like that. So we add a little bit of fermentable sugar before we package. Then we package into kegs or bottles, either one. And uh, in that container, there's live yeast and that fermentable sugar. So the yeast will eat that sugar and create CO2. And it also in turn eats oxygen uh, that's in suspension in the beer. Um, so it creates carbonation just by its own metabolism. How long does this process take? Um, the natural carb, I mean, from packaging to when we actually sell the beer is usually about four weeks. It depends on the beer though. Um, and they don't all come out 
uh, at the same time, but usually somewhere between three and five weeks for the actual carbonation to occur. So, you know, going back for a minute, you, when you were distributing throughout the state, once you started the tap room, did you just determine pretty much right away uh, that all the inventory you had was going to have to go there and you were going to have to stop the, the distribution statewide? And has it kind of worked out that way as well? Yeah, pretty much. And really, it just became our personal preference to share the beer with people who came out here because they could see where it came from. And, and it, it, there's kind of a disconnect if you're drinking a beer at a bar or if you're at, say, Benny's and you're buying a, a bottle. It, it's still it's great. You know, it's great to have people buying your beer elsewhere. That's really fun, too. But it's it was more fun for Aaron and I to see people out here at our place enjoying our beer and saying, oh man, this this is cool. Like this this is a really cool way to make beer and it's a cool space to enjoy beer. Now at this point, are you, are you growing much produce and doing anything along those lines too? Or did you kind of have to give that part up? We don't sell to any restaurants or anything, uh, but we do grow a lot of herbs that we use in our beer, uh, some small fruits. And uh, we use all the, our timber acreage, we harvest uh, wood from our uh, acreage to age our beer on. So we use cherry and sassafras, hickory, oak, mulberry, all the wood that we find in, or that we have in our woods. Uh, we cut logs and roast them, and then we ferment on the logs. You know, I should have asked, going back to, to when I was talking about you guys building your, your house and, and your structures, uh, you have everything set up so it's, it's solar and, and wind generated. Talk, talk about that. Was that something that you guys considered a, a priority to, to be green people? Yeah, I guess it was a mix of things. Um, we're located really far from, from power lines. And so we just weighed the options and we were always interested in solar. We weren't huge advocates of solar necessarily, um, but we just weighed the options. We thought solar was really fun and we were interested in it. So we decided to go that route and we've never, um, we're still not connected to the utility grid. So we're completely off grid and we generate our power with our solar panel. We have two solar panel arrays. We have a wind turbine and we use um, propane generators for backup if we need to. But we've got about 23 kilowatts of solar that runs our house and the brewery and our tap rooms. Um, and it's, it's just fun. I think it's fun. Um, the process is very cool and satisfying and it gets, it gets a little easier every time we add more solar. We started with, with two solar panels, about you know half a kilowatt of solar. So now that we have about 23 kilowatts, we're, we're a lot better off. And, and so has it gone well? Have, have there been any times that uh, you kind of you know, felt like you, you wished you needed a little bit more? Or has it really been pretty smooth for you? We always wish we had more. It's 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 kind of a constant battle because you think, well, I would really like to plug in this new kegerator. <laughs> you know, we, let's buy this new kegerator. But you can't do that when you're off grid because that kegerator, you have to put the infrastructure in to run that kegerator. You can't just plug it in. You have to add solar panels, charge controllers, um, battery maintainers, all all the elements that you need to to run the solar system has to grow exponentially every time you add an appliance. So with that, it's just made us, we have to be more creative with the way that we make beer and the way we run our tap rooms. 
So if you had a crystal ball and you were able to look inside it, what, what would you see for the future, 5, 10, 15 years from now? Do you, do you see some things changing? Do you see some things you'd like to do differently? Or uh, at this point, are you pretty content? Um, I think I, um, let me think. I want to keep growing the farm. Um, that part we really enjoy and we seem to not have enough time for, but that's kind of why we did this whole thing was to build the farm and make beer. Um, so we'd like to keep continuing to, to build the farm and um, perhaps down the road, we've looked at opening um, other taproom locations. So that's in the cards for us perhaps someday. Um, but until then, I, just converting fans. We just want to convert more craft beer fans in our area and have them come along on the ride with us because it's it's really fun and it's a cool outlet for our region. So before I let you go, uh, I was driving down Route 1. Uh, they go through Westfield. They come to Georgetown. Uh, how do they get to your place? Then? How do they get to, to Big Thorn Farms? Sure. Uh, well, if they make it to Georgetown, there are signs leading you the way. So you can hardly mess up if you make it to Georgetown. Um, you make it to West Street in Georgetown, which is the square, and you go west, west of town about three miles. Uh, you turn on 1450 East, go south about a mile, you come to a T, that's 600 North, take a right, and our driveway is the third one on your left, and there's big thorn signs uh, leading you the whole way from Georgetown. So uh it, even though it's is in the middle of nowhere, we still think it's pretty easy to find. Well, I bet it's pretty too, especially with all the, the fall colors and everything. It's beautiful right now, really beautiful. Absolutely. Well, we've been talking today to, to Anna Swig, who grew up in Muhammad, worked in Muhammad for a while, and now is an owner and operator of Big Thorn Farms uh, over uh, a little bit west of, of Georgetown. Before I let you go in, anything else you'd like to add? No, uh, just thanks for having me, and uh, it's cool what you're doing with the Muhammad newspaper. It's really nice. Well, great. I enjoy the time, and uh, I'm going to have to put uh, you guys on the list uh, to make a trip over there one of these days. This sounds yeah, right. for sure. <laughs> okay, thanks for your time. Yep, thank you. See you, Fred.